Travel Writer Show on J-Air 88FM in Melbourne. Rita Rehlich wonders what the average lifespan is of a restaurant. There are a number of restaurants in Melbourne, in Victoria, that count their age in decades. But we know who they are. They are the exceptions rather than the rule. Rita Rehlich talks to restaurateur Dennis Lucy, owner of Bottega in Melbourne's Burke Street, which has just celebrated its 20th birthday. Are there any secrets? And how do people train to be restaurant owners? I'm with Dennis Lucy, who's the owner of a restaurant called Bottega in Burke Street in the city, and Bottega's just marked 20 years. It occurs to me that there are very few restaurants that mark 20 years. I'm not sure what the average lifespan of a restaurant is, but 20 years is a very good innings. And this end of the city is unusually uh, long-lived. There's Grossi Florentino right next door, there's Becco around the corner, there's Pellegrini, um, there's Flower Drum. There are a couple of other places in the city There are restaurants in regional Victoria too, like Lake House, which is unusually long-lived and wonderfully long-lived. But the rule is, they're all exceptions to the rule. If we can count them all, it means that there aren't that many of them. No. When you began 20 years ago, what style of restaurant was it? Dennis, how, how, really the question is, how have things changed over 20 years? Well, thanks, Rita, thanks, and thanks for inviting me along to uh, have a chat. Um, look, uh, I, I think uh, 20, 20 years ago, um, Bottega was uh, quite a different space. Um, uh, we, we were a little bit more stripped back. We probably weren't so restaurant-like. We did have this confused, possibly confused concept of being more a wine bar, um, uh, wine bar, cafe, restaurant. And then I think... Uh, as often is the case, um, I think your clientele kind of give you little subliminal messages about trying to fix your, make your room uh, a little bit more appealing and your concept uh, work more smoothly. So uh, over, over time, we have um, made all sorts of changes to Bottega, um, possibly the food as well. We've, we've lifted that uh, a few notches as well. but. But about the dining room, um, you know, we've, we've sort of luxed it up with upholstery and carpet and um, I think we found our niche in this sort of top end of Burke Street um, where there's, there's obviously a lot of competition, yeah. You, you're really talking about restaurants evolving over time, but you're not a beginner <laughs> at no. Bottega. How did you start? When did you start in the industry? Oh, well, I, um, I started uh, quite a few years ago now in the early 80s. I think it was about uh, 1982-83. I happened to answer an ad in the paper for a, an apprentice waiter uh, at a place called Mietta's, uh, which was at that stage uh, in Brunswick Street in uh, North Fitzroy. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself in for. I knew nothing about Melbourne restaurants. I'd decided to um, uh, bomb out of um, doing uh, university after really just one year. I, um, I had a great time, 
uh, I clearly was not was not cut out for study, and I just launched straight into getting some work uh, with a view, <coughs> excuse me, with a view to getting uh, into hotel management. So, um, Mietas was uh, uh, an absolutely amazing experience for me, uh, and I. I guess I, I learnt uh, from some very um, prominent people that, well, that turned out to be prominent restaurateurs, people like Jacques Ramond, um, Ronnie D'Astasio, um, Greg Malouf, um, Winston Chung was another one, he was the chef at the time. Um, there, there were quite a few. So, um, and basically from Yetas, um, that really launched me into, I guess, the, the quality end of, of the dining experiences in Melbourne. Um, and um, should I be listing my experiences all the way through? No, no. no, no not no. necessarily. <laughs> Unless they're really, they were really, really significant. Um, I mean, look, along the way, uh, I, uh, I worked for some very good restaurateurs. Um, uh, and I guess food was always... High-quality food was something that I was passionate about. Um, and um, so I worked for people like Greg Brown. Um, I worked for Jeff Slattery at Slattery's Restaurant in King Street. That, that was quite an important influence for me. Um, I, I think uh, Jeff just um, um, believed in me. Uh, I, I think probably the first um, employer that I'd worked for that... Um, um, was actually behind, was, was very complimentary of me and, uh, and I think that gave me the confidence. Um, and then moving on to people like um, Greg, uh, sorry, uh, to Paul Lynch. I worked at Lynch's restaurant yeah. for quite a and long the, time. And these mm. are all really significant <laughs> names in the industry. Not everyone is still in the industry, of course. Jeff, Jeff went into publishing. Mm. When did you give up the idea of hotel management? Um, I think I worked out pretty quickly working for Mieta um, that, uh, I'll be honest, um, uh, I, I was elevated pretty quickly um, and um, I think I just, I, I elevated into a more senior waiter role and uh, before I knew it I, I think I just, the, the notion of going back to school or doing study Rita was not... Yeah. It was probably not so, um, my strong point. So hotel management's <laughs> off. Yeah. Now, that means you've been in the industry for about 40 yeah, years. Yeah, that's right. How have things changed in that time? What, what do you think are the really significant changes in that time? Uh, look, obviously, the casualisation of, of dining, uh, I think... Uh, and, and I say all of this for the, for the better. I, I think that... Um, um, Melbourne in the 80s and 90s, there was some really exciting stuff going on, but I do think uh, we were stuck in a, uh, a very old school model. Sydney seemed to be um, shining the light and being progressive and modern, um, and um, whereas Melbourne was, yeah, a little bit, I think, uh, 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 because, a little bit stayed in old fashioned. Because everything worked. And if things work, you don't change them. And I True. think that, that was it. And the, we were talking earlier about the casualisation and the way that um, food has changed and food, casual food has moved upscale. So a few years ago, hamburgers, which were cheap, um, not quite street food, but mm. the equivalent, hamburgers were cheap 
and yeah. easy and suddenly restaurants were serving hamburgers and they still do and so there are now there is now the kind of $30 hamburger and you think oh really <laughs> yeah. um, as there as there are the, the there's the $30 pizza and pizzas become glamorous uh, and I'm aware that uh, every so often there's a, there's an article about the glamour of pizza and discussions of imported pizza ovens and you think, yeah, but there always were and it's still a pizza. True, it, that's it's true. Either, it's either good or it's not. Although you'd have to say there's some very, very good pizza out there now. Um, there's some great practitioners um, and, you know, they're making truly authentic um, Italian-style pizzas, so um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great um, great thing, I think, to see the evolution of even well, simple things like pizza. Well, the, what what's happened, I think, is that um, a restaurant scene that was diverse has become much more diverse. So it's true. That's very true. Um, you know, I think. Um, uh, clearly, the market's changed as well. I think there's certainly more of a um, an emphasis on healthy healthy food as well. I think that's another trend, I, and I, I sort of see the transition away from the fine dining restaurants that were around in the eighties and nineties. I think health um, health outcomes drove that as well. Um, people wanted to eat lighter food, um, and and clearly now we are seeing the proliferation of vegan and vegetarianism running all the way through the menus. Um, that just seems to be, um, you know, an obvious one, yeah. Yes, so I'm not sure that we can talk seriously about um, restaurants focusing on health when chips are always the biggest sell-out. That's true, that's true. <laughs> so I mean, true. There are very mixed messages in restaurants, I think. You're a city restaurant, and during COVID, city restaurants suffered very badly indeed mm, yeah. because all the people who used to work in the city weren't, mm. and the people who used to come into the city to eat didn't, and staff disappeared. They did. Uh, how did you manage? Um, it was a very, very interesting time. I, I have to say, um, when that first lockdown happened, uh, I think all the staff were in shock. Um, and I, I, I must say they were probably more concerned about me. And uh, I, I think um, uh, I've, I've reflected on it later and thought, um, I think the reaction of myself and many other people in hospitality is that um, this is a pretty tough game. <laughs> And um, you get thrown a lot of curveballs, uh, and really, I think a lot of us just thought, "Okay, we can deal with this. We've got this. Bring it on." And um, and I do think there was just this tenacity that people in hospitality have to to cope with all sorts of issues. And really, COVID just came along as um, as one more thing. One more thing, and it's yeah, like, the, yeah, there were there were those super high interest rates. Um, yep, in the late true, 80s, early true. 90s. Yep. And the people who coped with that think, ah, oh, here we go again. It's another challenge. There's no, there's no question, uh, I think, for, for those people who financially were not uh, uh, resourced enough to, to cop um, a, a beating. I mean, all of a sudden, uh, overnight, we had to pay, pay staff, pay our creditors, um, and 
you know, that, that would have been a scary proposition for some people, I think. And, and obviously, there has been some casualties out of, out of COVID. Yeah. Um, and that's really, really sad and unfortunate, um, you know. Now, Bottega's not the only restaurant you've got. And the, mm. um, how difficult is it, is it difficult managing the three of them? Look, uh, I, I'm reader. I'm about relationships with people, and the other two restaurants, um, as well as my staff here, and I've got some long, uh, long-term core staff, uh, and I, there's no doubt, no one can survive without um, good people around them. That's just an impossibility in this industry. If you're a solo operator, I don't know, working as an architect or something, but in this game, we are so uh, reliant on staff, um, but. But the other two restaurants, really, and one of them's Lucksmith in um, Seddon, in Melbourne's West, that um, sort of came about through a, a long-term friendship with our, uh, my business partner now, Andy Smith. Um, so that, that was, again, about a friendship. And then, similarly, uh, Yardbird in Albury um, is um, a relationship I struck between Simon and Kate, who um, I had worked with um, in my ex-wife's business up in Rutherglen in northeast Victoria, where I resided for a good ten, ten to twelve years. So um, it's about relationships, uh, Rita. I think uh, is is essentially how I do it. I could not. Uh, I, I admire people that can go and set up restaurants and and just put their staff in there. And I, I need to have people that are, um, you know, they have skin in the game. Uh, and yeah, that's. That's my uh, secret, I guess. I think everyone who who's in it for the very long term mm. has worked out their own secrets or their own way of doing things. Yes. And I think at this point, what I want to do is to wish you happy birthday and, <laughs> and many happy returns. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. Thank you very much. Rita Ehrlich was speaking with Melbourne City restaurateur Dennis Lucy about the lifespan of an average city restaurant.